Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. May God bless the reading of his word. Amen. I want to start with those last two verses that we just saw and, and, and key in on the phrase, work out your salvation. That's what we're going to be talking about. Uh, he says he calls them to obedience, and he calls them to obedience that doesn't require somebody to check up on them, somebody that's looking at them all the time. He tells them to work out their salvation with fear and trembling. And as I thought about that term, work out, I, I thought about about 10 years ago, I had a worker's comp injury on my back when I was at school, and I couldn't do the job that I was uh, paid to do completely because I couldn't lift up any of the kids. I'm a preschool teacher, and I've got kids that are medically fragile, so we have to lift them and change them and move them around the classroom, put them in different equipment, and so I, I couldn't do that. I, I went to the physical therapist for several weeks, and he told me that there are some exercises that I could do, simple exercises that would ensure that I could continue to do the job that God has called me to do. But at that point, I had a choice to make. Would I obey the PT, or would I continue to live my life just like I'd always lived it before? And so the choice because I wanted to continue doing what I do, is that every morning I get up and for about 15 to 20 minutes I do stretches. I, I stretch my legs, I stretch my back, I twist them, I turn them, so that I can go to work and not have another injury. And so I'm working out my back every day. And that's part of what Paul is saying here. He says, I want you to work out your salvation. I want you to do something every day, to daily make a choice uh, to do spiritual exercises that will help us to be the very best Christian that we can be. And Paul reminds them at the very end of this, he says, it's God who is at work in you both to will and to do this. It's not you that does it, it's, it's the spirit within you. 
And the Holy Spirit indwells each one of us. Amen? When I was reading through Dr. McGee's commentary about this passage, he says, Paul was not just talking about imitation, but he was talking about impartation, that we need to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And I want you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 5.18, just the book just before Philippians. And 5.18, um, the, the last part of it is what I want to key in on. Uh, maybe you need the first part too. Don't get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit. And that word be filled means be being filled every day. It's the, the tense of that verb means it's something that has to happen every day. Yes, we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, but we need to ask the Holy Spirit to indwell us, to empower us, to, to go before us and to give us the will to work out our salvation. Because without the Holy Spirit, it, it's, it's worthless. The Holy Spirit has to empower us to do the things. We can't do it ourselves. And so we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered to live faithfully. And he reminds us that it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit, daily filling our lives, that we can work out our salvation. And so that's the first choice. That's the first thing that we need to do is allow that Holy Spirit to have free access in our life. Allow him to empower us to do everything that we need to do. Amen? And then back in Philippians, let's go back to the first part of that chapter. And it says, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion. Now, those words, if, aren't like we would use them today, that if and maybe it won't happen. You know, if we do this, maybe we'll get a good deal. No, the words in the, in the Greek mean if, and it's absolutely certain that these things are true. There's no doubt in our minds. All of these things, there is encouragement in Christ. There is consolation in His love. There is fellowship of the Spirit. We've been indwelt. We can be filled with the Spirit every day. If there is any affection and compassion, God loves us. God has compassion for us. And we need to love one another. And we need to have compassion for one another. It's, it's as sure as those things are true as sure as those things are true, then Paul tells them, these are the things that you have to do in verse 2. Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. He says we need to be, uh, he, he says to make my joy complete, to fill it to the brim, to completely fill it overflowing. That's what Paul said at the beginning of Philippians. He says, you Philippians are my joy. You bring me joy. But now he says, in order for you to complete my joy, to make it full, I want you to do these four things. These are those exercises that we need to do. To be of the same mind. How can we be in the same mind? Our, our mind needs to be centered on the word of God. Remember what Pastor Dave shared with us last week. That was one of the critical issues of being able to focus on Jesus. That we have to fill our minds with the Word of God. Every day we need to get into the Word of God. And every day we need to live our lives according to the Word of God. Whatever you put into your mind is what you're going to do. 
If you put football in, football in, you're going to be doing football. You know, whatever it is you put in there, put in the Word of God on a daily basis. You've got to have that. So that's the first exercise. And he says we are to maintain the same love. What does that love look like? Let's look back in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm sure you're familiar with that uh, uh, whole chapter. We're going to look at verses 4 through 8, uh, 4 through 7, and then the first part of 8. This is what love looks like. This is what he's saying we need to do. We need to love like this. We need to make our love a reflection of this love. Love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Does not take into account a wrong suffered does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. That's the next exercise that we need to do. We need to have that kind of love in our lives every day. We need to look for those opportunities to share the love that Jesus gave to us and to, to be the love of Jesus in this world. And when we do that, then Paul's joy is made even more complete. We're to be united in spirit. If we're all filled with the Holy Spirit, if we're all getting up every day and asking God to fill us fresh with His Holy Spirit to empower us, then we're all going to be of the same spirit. We're all going to be there. So that's the next thing that we need to do. An intent on one purpose. Dave said last week that we need to focus on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, we're intent on one purpose. That's what we learned last week. We need to continue. We need to do that every day. We need to work out our salvation by making that a reality in our life. And Psalm 133 tells us, Let's go back to Psalm 133. Just like Dave last week, you know, we're going to be jumping around in the Bible, so uh, this will be a good opportunity for you to get used to that. Or you can just push your buttons and, you know, go to it in your phone. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head coming down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, Coming down upon the edge of his robes, it is like the dew of Hermon coming down upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the, the blessing, life forevermore. Behold how good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. When we choose to live in unity, we make our joy complete. We choose joy instead of division. We choose joy instead of division. When we make those things, when we do these exercises every day, we choose joy. Um, I want to play a little bit of a song. We went to a concert on Friday night uh, for King and Country, and they've got this new song. I want you to hear a little bit of that. Feels like a song that never 
If you haven't heard that already, you need to hear, hear that. I choose joy. Let it move you. Let it move you. Every time that comes on the radio, my wife is going like this. Let it move you. Joy will move you. It'll move you to do things. To dance, maybe. You know, that's not my personality. But anyway, you need to choose joy. And that's the kind of joy that Paul is telling us. We can have that kind of joy. It's a choice that we make. And we need to fill our minds with the Word of God. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to love people. We need to be intent on that one purpose. And when we do that, I choose joy! Amen? Amen. All right, point number two. Back in Philippians, chapter... 2 and verse 3 and 4. I'll get there. And it says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind. Regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of of others. You know, live in humility. That's, that's the second thing that we need to think about. Live in unity, live in humility. And Paul tells him to consider the needs of others before you consider your own needs. We need to be focused on one another rather than ourselves. That, the Greek word for one another is alalon, and it's found 40 times in the New Testament. There are 40 different references that you can look up. If you want a neat Bible study to do, look up the word, one another, and find out how many different ways that Jesus wants us to love one another, to do this for one another. There's a pastor, Gene Getz, who wrote a book called Building Up One Another, and he lists 12 significant actions that Christians are supposed to take toward one another. Here, here they are listed. Okay, so... We're going to go through all 12 of them. I'm not going to do a whole sermon on each one, but you look them up and, and, and find out some of those things. A lot of them in Romans 12. We are members one of another. You don't have a choice. We're members one of another. When God saved you, he made you part of the family. And that brings responsibilities. If you're part of a family, you've got responsibilities. We need to be devoted to one another. Husbands, cherish your wives, right? We need to be devoted to one another. We need to have that same kind of love for one another. We need to honor one another. We need to be of the same mind, filling ourselves with God's word over and over and over. We need to accept one another. No matter what we think of them at first, we need to accept them for who they are. There needs to be that kind of acceptance in our family. We need to admonish one another. When you see a brother in sin, you need to go to them and admonish them. You need to help them. You need to not just let things go by the wayside, but we need to admonish one another. Greet one another. Every time we come to church, we do that. 10.30, you need to be out there greeting one another. Okay, we need to take time at our Bible studies greeting one another. We need to be together. We need to serve one another. 
We need to serve. We need to find a niche where we can serve, whatever it is, and then do that with all of your heart. And then bear one another's burdens. And we're going to come back to that one in, in a, just a few minutes. But, and bearing with one. Sometimes you just need to bear with us. You know, Doug is a wonderful man, you know. But we need to bear with him sometimes when he starts to get off on UCLA or, you know, some other kinds of things that, that we love him. But we need to bear with one another. We all have those kinds of idiosyncratic things, right? That we need to bear with one another. And that's all part of being the family of God. We need to submit to one another. That's what this passage is talking about. Think more of other people than you think of yourselves. And we need to encourage one another. Write a note. Send something to them. My wife is great about doing that. She'll send notes to people. Some of you have received some of her notes already. And you know that's part of her gift. That's what she does. She encourages people. She does that every night on Facebook. She signs off with a little prayer and a scripture. She encourages people. That's what we need to do. That's what humility is. We need to love one another. We need to do all of those things. Regard one another as more important than yourself. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. C.S. Lewis said that. Let me say it again. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. William Temple said, Humility does not mean thinking less of yourself than other people, nor does it mean having a low opinion of your own gifts. It means freedom from thinking about yourself one way or the other at all. When we can just put ourselves aside and focus in on what is more important with other people, then, then we can work out our salvation. Then we can have that joy. Then we can be the people that God wants us to be. Uh, let's go back to Galatians uh, chapter 6 and verse 2. Galatians 6 tells us this, bear one another's burdens and therefore fulfill the law of Christ. When other people have a burden, when other people are hurting, we need to bear with them. Amen? And I think every one of us would say, amen, I am willing to do that. I'm going to bear one another's burdens. But Gene Butts has a different way of, uh, Gina Butts has a different way of looking at that. And she has this uh, thing called five reasons to be a burden. I'm sure you've heard this praise before. I just hate to be a burden, or she doesn't want to be a burden. A friend once even told me she admires people who don't want to be a burden to others. I don't. When we say we don't want to be a burden, there's usually lies fueling it. Lies rooted in our worth. Those lies tell us that speaking needs places our worth on the table for examination. Am I worth the time, attention, and energy of others? Will they still want me if I appear weak, needy, or foolish? Some of us respond to the lies by diminishing ourselves. Others of us, <clears throat> looking in a mirror, respond by determining that we will never leave the worthiness question for others to answer. And yet, we should let others carry us. Here's why. 
One, it dispels the lies about our worth. When we choose to offer our needs to others rather than stumbling on alone, we break the power of the voices that tell us it's not okay. We declare ourselves human and worthy of space in the world. It's a brave and beautiful thing. Two, we find healing. Not only healing, but rest, strength, grace, hope, and help. We need each other. That's how God made us. I sometimes hear people express an idea that all they really need is God. But what God gives us, He often gives us through others. The help we need comes from God through others. Three, we, need, we give up others opportunity to use their gifts when we ask them to carry our burdens. Withholding our needs from others robs them. Ministering to us might be the way that God wants to use them today. Who are we to deny them that? Four, our humility invites others. Sometimes it seems we're all wounded soldiers, triaging ourselves, insisting someone else needs more attention. But when one of us cries out for help, it frees the rest of us to cry as well. The enemy wants to keep us silently wounded. But we defy him and lead others to healing if we ask for it ourselves. Five, it's biblical. Galatians 6.2 Carry each other's burdens, for in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? To love God and love others. When we offer and receive the weightiness of our burdens, we love. In their created limitations, Adam and Eve were held together in a bond of naked vulnerability. That is because in God's design, we do not manage our needs, we confess them. Intimacy demands hearing and telling the truth, and it recognizes that we will be inadequate to respond to the needs that are shared. We don't mend each other's brokenness, we just hold it tightly. Craig Barnes said that. In God's design, we do not manage our needs, we confess them. We don't manage needs, we share them. And when we do, it's not anyone's responsibility to fix us. We simply ask them to hold us. It requires vulnerability and humility, both challenging, both necessary. So, be a burden today if you need to be. Confess your need. Let someone carry you. This is how God made us. This is how we love and are loved. We need to be willing to, to be a burden. Amen? We, we're very easy. We want to take somebody else's burdens. But in order to do that, we need to do that. We need to be willing to do that. Um, <clears throat> take, uh, turn to Romans 15. I'll get there. Going on with that same idea, we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just to please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good, to his edification, for even Christ did not please himself. We are not to please ourselves, but we're to please one another. Do it for their good, for their edification. It goes back to what, Philipp, what Paul was saying in Philippians. We need to have the good of other people atop of our mind, not our own, but to please them. 
And then finally, Proverbs 3, 27 and 28. Proverbs 3, 27 and 28 reminds us this. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come back, and tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you now. When you know good to do, don't withhold it. Don't withhold it. Do all the good that you can. Do everything that you can. My wife was showing me last night on Facebook a a, a thing from humankind stories. It was uh, entitled, The Rainbow Tinted Bus Brings Soap and Hope. There's a man named Jason uh, that goes around with a, 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 a trailer that has a shower in it. And he goes to the homeless encampments and he's able to give 27 showers every time he comes to people. He brings a bus with clothing there to give them clothing. He cooks hot dogs and food for them uh, to come out. And uh, the video is great. If you get a chance to look, at, look it up, you know, go to Facebook, Humankind, and, and look for it. Um, but the, the idea is that he's putting the other people's needs ahead of himself. He's investing his own money to be able to go out and give them showers. He saw something that would help. He, he didn't just think about it. He did something about it. And that's what Paul is saying. We need to, to think more of other people. We need to have that kind of a mindset to be able to go and do things for other people, whatever way it is. And, and that's what God is challenging us to do with this passage, to think more of other people than we do of ourselves. Amen? Then the last one, uh, starting in Philippians 2, 5 through 11, is, is that... Um, is considered uh, one of the early hymns of the church. Now, back in those days, not everyone was um, able to read and write. Not everyone had that ability. And so one of the things that the church did was that they would take things that were important, important truths, and put them to music. If you look back in the Psalms, all of that... Music was music uh, for the Old Testament times when they were going to the temple. Um, but even in the church, they would take these hymns and they would teach deep spiritual truths with it. And that's what uh, Philippians 2, 5 through 11 is. It's a spiritual truth about the attitude that we ought to have. It says, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who with all he existed in the form of God, did not require equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This particular theological truth, I, I found a song that um, uh, the, the video wasn't very good, but I wanted to read 
uh, a modern-day hymn using the, the words of this section. And it was called The Mind of Christ by a man named Mark Hayes. May we have the mind of Christ who was in the very nature God. He laid aside his crown, from glory he came down. His dignity set in a human form, God in the form of a man. May we have the mind of Christ, for love he emptied up himself, becoming like a slave to all he freely gave. He stooped to wash the feet of common man. May we have the mind of Christ to prove the very heart of God. He embraced the Father's will and climbed Golgotha's hill. Obedience for all the world to see on Calvary. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place. And at the name of Jesus, that glorious name, that wonderful name of Jesus Christ, every knee of earth should bow. Let every tongue in heaven confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Let everyone adore. Let everyone proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. And it's a beautiful song. Um, you might want to look it up, The Mind of Christ by Mark Hayes. And you can hear different groups playing. They didn't always have the words. Uh, I wanted to make sure you knew what the words were. But music does something for you, doesn't it? Uh, Dave last week was saying, there are songs that, that we remember after all these years. And, and some are not really important, like you know the one that comes to my mind. Show the world you care, wear them everywhere. It was about seatbelts, you know, when they first came out. And buckle up for safety, buckle up. And, and that's in there. It's, it's, it's tucked away there, and I'll never forget it because I heard that music, you know. And then there's hymns and, and, and songs that I learned when I was a, a baby Christian that they keep coming back to me too. I love the songs we sing now, but a lot of times those songs come back. That's the power of music in our lives. When you put music into your life, that's allowing you to remember those serious, heavy truths. Music makes a difference. And allow music to, to fill up your life, to do everything that, that it's meant to do. Amen? All right. So in this, I, I want to turn to John chapter 13. And one of the things that Jesus did, and, and what this talks about, is that he became a slave. He became a servant. That's what that section in Philippians says. He became a slave. And back in John chapter 13, let me find it. Yeah, there it is. Sometimes it takes a while to get there. But this was at the Lord's Supper, and Jesus took aside, he went aside and, and put a, a, a towel around him, and he washed all of the disciples' feet, right? And he was showing them a lesson. And then in verse 12 of, of that chapter, he says, Now when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you should do as I did to you. See, Jesus became a servant. He thought more of what other people needed than himself. 
He was willing to become a servant. We need to become servants of all. We need to put other people's needs ahead of ourselves. Luke 22, 24 through 27 also says the same thing. I'm not going to go there right now because I'm running out of time. So, But the, the main thing here is that we need to have a servant's attitude. We need to live like Christ. We need to be a servant to one another. We need to think more of other people than we do of ourselves. Amen? There's a guy in India. His name is Benedict Jebba Kumar. Here's a picture of him. This is a real, real person, so it's not just a made-up story. But he's a man on a mission. Ever since 2012, he's dedicated his free time to sweeping Bangalore's outer ring road of metal nails deliberately put there by tire puncture shops to boost their profits. It all started when Benedict realized that he would often have to deal with a punctured car tire when taking the outer ring road from his home in Banashankari to his office or vice versa. He didn't think much of it at first, but then he noticed the many tire repair shops lining the roads, most of which were busy fixing tires of seemingly unlucky motorists. It didn't take long for him to figure out that whenever he got a flat tire, it would always be because of metal nails conveniently located close to one of those puncture repair shops. He went to the local authorities to report his findings, and he asked them to take action, but they didn't seem too eager to help. And that's when he decided it was up to him to keep the roads clean for himself and other drivers. At first, he just picked them up by hand, but he soon realized it was time-consuming and ineffective, so he built a tool to help him cleaning on his cleaning runs. He took a broken fishing rod and modified it by attaching magnets to it. And then he would drag them and along the road so he would pick up even more. Every day at 7 a.m., he stops at specific points on the outer point ring road and he makes sure that they are nail free. He does the same thing on his way back to work because many times the miscreants running puncture repair shops will spread a new batch of nails right after he leaves. On some days he collects so many metal nails that he, needs to, he fills his bag and have to return for more later. For example, on March 21st, he collected 1,654 nails off the road. He kept, he's kept all of the nails he's picked up since 2012. He has about 50 kilos. Until the nail problem is solved by the city, Benedict plans to keep taking care of things himself as best he can. I will continue as I am helping many people. Interestingly enough, uh, when he was asked uh, by a news reporter, has a passerby ever stopped you to ask you what you were doing with a broken fishing rod? And he realized that nobody had ever approached him about it. He says, it's such a fast-paced world that nobody has even observed that there is a man wandering about a busy main road in search of something. They have not even noticed that these nails are potential threats to their vehicle. Now, the application of this, while evil is busy planting nails, we need to be busy finding our fishing poles. Amen? We, God doesn't leave us here without a purpose. He places His love in our hearts, and then He sets us loose in a world of needs. The problem is that most of what really helps other people isn't superhero stuff. But just because there's little recognition as such humble service, we drive right by the nails on the road, holding out for a more glamorous mission. What is the humble need you could do something about right 
now? Do you hesitate to meet this need because it doesn't seem important enough? If it's really God you seek to serve, it shouldn't matter if people notice what you're doing. Even if no one stops to ask you what you're doing, pleasing Him should be enough. Jesus said, the greatest among you will be your servant. We need to have a servant heart. We need to have an attitude like Jesus. He was willing to see something, you know, see a need and fill it. We need to do that. God may be telling you to do something that you don't think is very important, but it could change somebody's life. It could make a difference in their life. We need to be willing to do that, just like Benedict was, just like Jason does. We need to be willing to listen to what God is telling us to do and step out in faith and begin to do that. Amen? Amen. And when we do that, when we work out our salvation by choosing to live in unity, to live in humility, to live like Christ, every choice you make to make this happen releases joy and causes Jesus to smile. I want to close with one more song that says uh, by Stephen Curtis Chapman that talks about how everything you do makes a difference and it leaves Jesus happy. So listen to this as we close.
Let's stand together. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful that we can do everything for you, Lord. Everything we do, Lord, is for you, that we might work out our salvation, Lord, that we might live in unity, that we might live in humility, and Lord, that we might live like Christ, to be a servant like you are. Help us, Father, to do everything for your glory. And we all said, Amen. Amen.